Hey friends, have you ever given up on a dream or decided that a dream you once had was just a little too crazy to pursue? Our guest today says following God's dreams for you doesn't eliminate difficulty, but it does grow you like nothing else. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 342, Julia Gentry and the Freedom of Dreaming. Welcome back to the Halfway There, Halfway There, the Halfway There. I've only done 350 of these and I mess it up. Welcome to Halfway There. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Eric Nevins and I am glad that you've joined us. This is a show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. We try to figure out what's it like walking with God, the ups, the downs, and everything in between the mundane all that stuff. Today, I think you're going to be inspired by this conversation. Before we dive into it, I would love to just remind you that the best compliment you can give this podcast is to share it with a friend. And just, you'll you'll hear, if you go to the Overcast app, you can use whichever one you want, but some of them like Overcast lets you grab a clip and you can text it to a friend and you can send it to somebody or post it on social media. And you can always tag me in that, tag Halfway There at Halfway There Podcast on just about everywhere. Would love that if you would uh, do that and share it. Let somebody know. Maybe you know somebody who uh, is dreaming a really big dream or needs to dream a really big dream. We've all been there at times. This conversation is for you and for them. All right, let's dive in. Uh, our guest today, she's the founder of the Dream Factory and Co. And she's the author of this book that I hold in my hands. It's a best selling book in Christian leadership. It's called Dream I Dare You. Our guest is Julia Gentry. Julia, welcome to Halfway There. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you, and we're going to have a great conversation. Obviously, this is some of your work, but catch us up a little bit on kind of what you do, where God has you right now, and kind of the, the whole picture of who you are. I'm a wife. I'm a mom of five. I have five children under the age of nine, and I homeschool. Currently, we just moved our family across the country from Bend, Oregon to Bentonville, Arkansas, oh, wow. chasing nothing but a dream and bringing heaven to earth and everything that we do. How's that? I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love that idea. I, I think it's underrated to, uh, that's great language, bring heaven to earth. I think we think Jesus did that, right? There's that old song that says that. Guess what? That's your mission too. That's what we've been charged with. That's what the Great Commission is about. So not just evangelizing people, but bringing the kingdom of God to bear upon our world, which I love. Okay, well, that's that's great. So let's dive in here. Um, you know, tell tell us a little bit. Um, we're we're gonna get into the book here as we as we go. But tell me what you do at the Dream Factory and Co. Like what that what that means and and you know what that work is like. Yeah. So I am an author and a speaker, and we provide growth coaching. Is what we call it for people who want to bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. And I stand before you today, Eric, um, proud to say that I am living my dream, right? The one that God had given me 10 years ago, but that's not why I wrote the book. <laughs> I wrote the book because actually the journey in between is really hard. And though there's incredible books out there about living the dream and chasing God's dream for your life. And right. It all creates this idea that, Oh, this is fun. And this should be, this should be easy. And this should be simple. And it is simple, mm -hmm. stupid, hard. It's really simple, <laughs> stupid, hard. That's, <laughs> you know, right. like that's one of our go-to hashtags. And so what we do is we actually give people the framework, the dream framework to go from where they are to where they want to be to ultimately, to your point, live into our greatest commission of bringing heaven to earth. 
that's what we do. So we spend all day, every day, whether it's on social media or in our group coaching or in our, um, you know, our events and through this work is sharing the tools that people need to know how to do that. Yeah. I love that. I'm guessing. So I'm, I'm putting myself in the, in the shoes of my audience because one time at one time I used to work where I like to call the bank jail, right? So I would go <laughs> to a six by six cell, a cubicle at a, at a bank. And I would sit there and not come out until somebody said I was allowed to, right? Cause I was, I had to just uh, sit there and do that, but I had a lot of big dreams, right? I had, I was listening to podcasts. I was being inspired, but I felt so stuck, right? I didn't know what step to take. Is that what you're talking about? You're talking about inspiring people to, if you're feeling like that, to step into taking some action? Yeah. You know, I think that, yes, the, the short answer is yes. The little bit longer answer is, you know, in my journey, my, my background actually is in business coaching. And I, for four or five years, did coaching in a format that we gave people all the skills, right? All the tools that they needed to build a successful business, right? This, and these are very applicable to any business, whether you're in the business, right? Running the business or, you know, working for businesses, strategic planning and process mapping and who to hire and how to fire and all of the things that we needed to do. And I watched hundreds of people have information, glean these tools, but not use them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's one of those things. That, I mean, adults, we're talking about adults week in and week out, they would come back and they would, they would look at me with kind of this look in their eyes of like, I hear you, but I don't hear you. And, and that started my journey in understanding that skill set will only take us so far. And that actually we have to have a mindset. We have to have a heart set that is partnering with what God is doing, right? A greater sense of revelation that we can be using our mindset to support our skill set. Yes. Boy, I love that. That is fantastic. I'm convinced. I used to be one of these people who thought that mindset didn't matter. wasn't a big, like I just, I thought it was just kind of this this, you know, woo woo thing that people talked about, uh, which is weird because when you start reading scripture, you find it all over the place, right? Renew yeah. your mind. Oh my gosh. hundred percent. You, know, you once were this, but now you're this, right? Yes. But you got to be looking for it. So absolutely. I, I love that. All right, friends. I hope my hope is for you. Maybe you just feel a little called out right now, just a little bit like to dream a little bit. That's okay. Because I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So maybe he's asking you to do something. Pay attention through the rest of our story today. Uh, maybe maybe he'll inspire you to do something. All right, Julia, I want to hear about your story. So you just moved to Arkansas, which I, that's got to be a story. Did people just move to Arkansas? You're, are you from there? No, okay. that's so funny, though. You're like the hundredth person that said that. They're like, everybody leaves Arkansas. Nobody yeah, moves exactly. to Arkansas. <laughs> You're the second so, you person know, I know who's done that, though. It's so funny though. We, you know, we learned early on, this is actually a line from the greatest showman that I'm about to quote, but Hugh Jackman says that comfort is the enemy of progress. And the minute that we actually surrendered to that idea, though, it was just a quote from Hugh Jackman, right? Like the idea of Peter getting out of the boat, right? Peter has to get out of the boat to walk on water. That's Jesus's, that's Jesus regrets. Hey, get out of the boat and walk on water. Getting out of the boat is Peter. Walking on water was Jesus, Right. So when my husband and I decided to get out of the boat and actually put our eyes on Jesus and walk towards him, or as Hugh Jackman would say, right, get out of our comfort zone and actually like progress towards what's possible, we surrendered everything that makes sense 
<laughs> so for the last five years, we've actually been traveling the country almost full time with our children, by the way. <laughs> and most That's people, great. you know, and when we sold everything, which is where our journey started, we sold everything and started traveling the country in an RV. And here's why we did that. After we had built what most people would call the American dream, right? This is after many successes, but tons of failures too. I mean, we've made them, we've lost it. We've had it. We've not had it. I mean, our journey, it's too much to probably share in this short podcast, but as we started to really climb out of some of the mistakes and failures and loss of money and all the things in our entrepreneurial journey, we started to build our lives and quote unquote, the American dream only to realize, Eric, that we weren't satisfied. I mean, we were crawling into bed every single night, asking ourselves a simple yet profound question, which was, is there something more, right? Because we bought the house, we bought the cars, we had money in savings, like we did all the things that you're supposed to do. And yet there was something on the inside of us saying, there's got to be something more. I'm so glad we followed that question, right? So for us, our midlife awakening wasn't a midlife crisis. It was a midlife awakening. We decided to sell everything and start traveling the country in an RV. And we did this with our, at the time we had three kids and everybody says, oh my gosh, that's the best time to do that. Said nobody, <laughs> right. said nobody who has kids that are under the age of five. With nobody diapers. says that, No thanks. <laughs> you know, but I think that's step number one. It's never convenient to follow your dreams. Amen. It's never convenient to get out of the boat. It's never convenient to live outside of your comfort zone. It's never convenient to bring heaven to earth. People are like, well, our world is crazy now. It was crazy. It was crazy in the Old Testament too. Like, you know, like it was always a crazy time to obey God. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. The The only thing you can do is to respond in a way that is equally as crazy, right? Like that is equally <laughs> as trusting, I think, right? So exactly. sometimes you got to do that. Okay, so you, you took off in the RV. I want to hear a little more about your backstory. So, so you're not from Arkansas. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? So we, I'm originally from Denver. Oh yeah. I, I think I read that, right? You, you visited your mom in the book, right? So you, in Denver. Yeah. So, okay. What part of Denver were you in? Cause that's where I live now. Okay. So we, oh, you're in Denver now. Yeah. I'm in Littleton. Oh my gosh. We've lived everywhere. I mean, I truly, so I'm 37 years old. I've lived in 26 homes in 37 years. So I've been everywhere from, from Brighton all the way down to Castle Rock and everywhere. In all right. <laughs> that's, that's cool. So, what, yeah. so what was it like? Was it, was it a Christian family? Was it? It was. was it? Yeah. I grew up, I actually, I should say um, my parent, my mom gave her life to Jesus when I was five years old after a, a, a divorce with my dad. Um, they were living the worldly life. I mean, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Right. And so at the time of their divorce, my mom found herself again when she found Jesus. Now that was also a really interesting time for, for me as a kid, because I watched her spiritual journey evolve with a lot of pain, right? In, in church, but I grew up in the church, raising hands, people falling over, praying in tongues. You know, I grew up knowing all the Bible verses, quoting all the Bible verses, doing all of the right things, saying all of the right things, not realizing that I was actually in a lot of stress as a child, which is part of my mm -hmm. journey and my mindset, heart set rewiring. Um, but I grew up in the church. Yep. Grew up in the church. Okay. That's great. So when did your faith start to become your own? Like, when did you start to go, this is, this is for me. Okay. So let, let me just go back. I'm going to connect two dots now. Um, when we started traveling the country in an RV was the time that I realized I had become a learned controller. I knew God at a head level. I didn't know God at a heart level. 
I was in the box of comfort, Eric. So everything that I knew about God was a cognitive understanding about God, but because I hadn't really gotten out of the boat, if you will, it didn't test what I knew about God, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't actually, it didn't, it hadn't awoken the true dependency on God that I, I currently have and am learning now. Um, because at that time I was a learned controller. I lived in the box. I said all the right things, did all the right things, crossed the T's, dotted the I's, had asked for forgiveness of my wayward living, you know, and at that time I was in marketplace ministry. So I've actually been a business coach and a growth coach for people in the world, right? Um, even years ago, I was dropping the F-bomb, drinking wine, love Jesus. People knew that I love Jesus, right? But I was still had some rough edges. Here's where it got real. When Travis and I, my husband, I decided to follow that question of, is there something more? We didn't know that God was actually using it as an invitation to know him at a deeper level, to wake mm. us up to what he wanted to do in our lives. And I remember sitting in the RV one night after watching The Greatest Showman. This is this is why I love this movie, because it, it, it he used it as an opportunity, right? And I felt God, I, I had this open-eyed dream that people were walking around just looking down at the ground and shuffling their feet. It looked like a scene from Trolls, movie Trolls as a parent, you know which movie I'm talking about, yeah. The Bergens, yeah. <laughs> right? And so I'm watching people who look like they're, they are living, but they're not alive. They look depressed, uh, anxious. They're stumbling around, right? They're doing all things. And all of a sudden I see a word in fire colors paint across the sky and it's the word dream. And I sit up, like I go from kind of an open-eyed vision to like a real life. I sit up in the middle of the night and I felt like God was going to give me the algorithm of life. And I audibly heard the Holy Spirit, which is not, that's not normal. God speaks to me in other ways, but okay. I don't, wouldn't say that I always hear him yeah. like this. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And I hear him say, I want you to write a book. And I went, no, you got the wrong person. <laughs> you know, what we all do. I was like, no, that could not have been from you. And I, I, and I, and, and instantly I knew that it was going to be around this idea of dreaming. And at that point in time, I had not had a target market of the church. I didn't know that I was even going to write the book to, for the church, but ultimately what started out as a book for the marketplace transformed into a book, a curriculum and a whole life change for me that positioned me to know God at a level I didn't know I didn't know which is where we are today. Right. See, which I think is, is really interesting. Um, okay. So I want to flesh out just a little bit before that. So before that dream, uh, or, or you might say it's a vision. I mean, you, uh, open eye dream is interesting, but it could be a vision. So you, um, like, what was your experience with God like before that? And what was your experience of like of interacting with him? Yeah. I think again, when, when you don't know, that you're in your comfort zone, you don't know that you need God in a way that the word, you know, when the word says that we're going to need him, like our daily bread. Um, I didn't know him like that yet. Again, I knew scripture, but I wasn't seeing scripture alive right. in my life. Yep. You know, like I knew all the right things to pray. Even those rote prayers, you and I were talking, those are like those rote prayers. Like they came normal for me. They came natural for me. I knew of God. I knew the scriptures. I even had them on my wall. Right. But it wasn't yep. like, in, I wasn't feeling the infusing of the Holy spirit. I wasn't seeing the impossible possible. I I like, that was not, that was not happening in my life. Yeah. So I think 
the reason I want you to describe that is because I think this is really common, right? I think there's a lot of people, we've, for a lot of people, the understanding of what it means to grow in maturity of Christ is head knowledge, right? It is. So what, what, is, what is the answer to every problem in the world if you're a Christian? Read your Bible and pray, right? That's it. That, every single time. Nobody will tell you how to do either of those things, right? I had, I had to go to college and learn how to read the Bible, and I had to go to seminary to learn how to pray. That's what, that's what I did. But, the, but learning those things, the, they're very heady, right? They're very heady knowledge. So it's like read your scriptures and figure out and somehow some mystical, magical thing is going to happen out of the text that, you know, you're analyzing or breaking down in some way. Is that what your, what, what your experience was? It was like, yeah, it's there. And yes, I believe it, but it's, it didn't, maybe you were even, you would have even said you were committed, right? But you weren't well, really experiencing it is what I hear you saying. Yeah, I wasn't experiencing it. And I think that sometimes again, when, right, the, I, I John Bevere said this once, he said that if the enemy can't make you bad, he's going to make you busy. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to propose that that he can distract us by staying in our comfort zone because we can seek comfort, sure. right? And the minute that I'm seeking comfort means that now I'm actually depending upon my house and my routine and my habits as a place to kind of to hide, really, right? And I think that for me, um, right, even when it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what I learned about that process. This wasn't just about learning or acquiring new information growth is about unlearning what we Mm. think is so that really ain't so right mark twain says that it's not what we know that hurts us it's what we think we know that just isn't so and so for most of us we think we know a lot about god we have no idea we think we know a lot about what the word says we have no idea and even when we get divine revelations or we see him working there's more there's more revelation. Yes. There's more majesty. There's more awe. Like we think like he will blow our minds in order to get after our heart. And so I think for me, there was this huge phase and I write about this in my book, but I had in order to really see his truth, I had to wade the waters of the lies. I had to unlearn habits, patterns, lies, I mean, like mental programming, right? Like there was a lot that I had to unlearn. And and that was the hard part, you know, is that I, I didn't know what I didn't know. And nobody likes that. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so first of all, one one thing, I love one thing that you said, which is, uh, you know, you, you, the way you put it, he will blow our minds in order to get it to our hearts. I love that. Uh, and also, even when God is showing us, there's always more, right? Third episode of the show, I talked to my friend, Bill Brown, and he said, uh, before we even had a name for it, he said, uh, I don't think we'll ever actually be, um, it, we'll never actually know everything about God because you can't exhaust the knowledge of an infinite God, right? Well, blew my mind. But that's how we came up with the name halfway there. We're always halfway there, right? That's how I, that's how we get there. But so I'll, I'll put that link in the show notes because you guys should go listen to that. It was great, even though I it was early. So just give a little grace. So, uh, but I love, I absolutely love that. What are some of those things that you had to unlearn that you didn't even maybe realize you had learned? Yeah. I think that, you know, one of the biggest things that I had to understand was I had always attached, um, God's blessings or his love with performance. Yeah. I, 
I, I connected the two completely unconsciously. And I could have even told you, Eric, at the time, had you said with your mouth, well, your performance has no bearing on God's love. I would have said, I know (laughs) all of us do. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, there's so many, especially we get churchy on ourselves, right? We get religious and we go, I know, right. Here's what we even say to my kids all the time. And I go, Hey, I need you to brush your teeth. They'll go, I know. And I want to go, no, you wouldn't. Because if I had not said that you literally would not have brushed your teeth. So we actually even train our kids to say, I hear you. Right. Mm. Why? Because it's not what we know that hurts us. It's actually the thing under the thing is what I call it. And so if I'm not seeing a revelation show up in my life, if I'm not seeing the impossible possible, if I'm not walking on water, if I'm not seeing cancer healed, if if I'm not seeing miracles happen, it's not because God is short on his exchange with us. <laughs> it's not because he's not able, capable, that it's not possible. It's generally because I've oftentimes attached my thought process to a lie. And so I'm empowering whatever, wherever my belief system is hanging its attention on, right? And so for me, I had to unlearn my identity so I could relearn what he said about me. Yes. Okay. So I, usually that process, this, this is documented in Christian literature throughout the millennia, right? John of the Cross calls out a dark night of the soul right? So when you have to face who you are, he literally got locked in a closet. So he had to, he had nothing, nothing but time to think. Right. So, but for for a lot of us, this goes, this is, looks like all kinds of things for you. You had this kind of midlife awakening. You change your whole life and God's kind of directing you. Um, so that, this is the process that I'm really fascinated by because I think once you start to unlearn some of those things and God's giving you new identities, author, whatever the other, the other ones are. Um, that's when we really start to see this exponential breakthrough of not only peace and joy and love, but also effectiveness and radical transformation for the people around us as well. Is that, um, was that your experience and what, what kind of were the new identities for you that you took on? Oh man. Okay. So I just want to, I want to read this scripture because I think this is and it, this is framework, right? So part of why I wrote my book is because I actually give people the framework that, that I walked through these last 10 years. My idea was that we could actually, God's idea, actually, by the way, as I wrote this, right, this was completely infused by the Holy Spirit. And again, five years ago, when people said that, I was like, oh, that's just a nice idea until you actually start chasing the dreams that God has for you. And you start to realize how much they're completely infused by him, literally led step by step by step. Um, but I think what's important is, so in the book, I actually give you the framework of how you bridge that gap, how you undo limiting beliefs, how you walk in greater revelation, how you find that the things that are, that, that God's created you for, and how you run more relentlessly towards the things he's asked you to do, especially when they're hard, right? So oftentimes what I do is that God will give us a dream and he doesn't go, Oh, well, that's, that's just hard because it's hard to know that the heart is actually designed to, to be a, a blessing in our lives. The, the heart mm. is actually there to not break us. It's there to make us. It's a privilege. Why? Because come to find out, Eric, the dream, the blessing is a big responsibility. It's weighty. And so as we're journeying with the Lord towards the promises that he's already given us, he's actually giving us the opportunity to build strength and character and resolve. So all of this conversation, just so anybody knows, this isn't about the dream. This is about you. This right. is about me. This is about our character, right? Like we want the dream. God wants our heart. 
We want to quote unquote, get there. He wants us to stay there. He wants us. He wants us in a relationship with him. And when we do what he's called us to do, it forces us to look up higher, to put our dependency on him and to live like our life depends on him because it does. Right. right? But so listen to this. So here's some framework, even uh, Hebrews 12, it says uh, verse one. Uh, so for all of us, we have all this great cloud of witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Right. Those are mindsets. Right. Right. Sin is a byproduct of a faulty mindset. That's what it is. Sin has, right. Well, that's just way. No, that's how you think. Well, sin, I'm just, that's what I've always done. No, that's also how you think, right? Your thoughts is right. what drives your emotions. It's your your emotions, which drives your actions, right? So if we're sinning, if we're holding on to patterns and habits that don't serve us, we have to go back to the mindset. We reestablish a mindset because then you will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. So if we're not running with passion and determination today, it's not because it's not available to us. It's oftentimes because we're still connected to the lies, right? To the old habits, to old patterns, so that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, as like I was learning this and starting to realize my faulty mindset and understanding that the beliefs that I was believing that were lies that felt like truth, like I had to completely start to unwind those. So to your point, I could run the race that he had asked me to run, not in a, not, not in an easy fashion, but in a free fashion. I love that. Okay. So give me a story about a time when you realized you had a mindset you had to delete. How or, many of them do you or, want? Or, I got time. So you tell me, how long. <laughs> okay. give me a real specific story. Yeah. So, um, I I'll, I'll just walk you back and I do this in the book. So most of us, our very first memories are the ones that have the most lasting impact in our lives, right? What? So the brain is motivated by two things, pain and pleasure, right? So when I feel pain, I'm automatically, I'm going to go, Oh, do less of that. Whatever that is, I want to do less of that because I don't like it. And whenever it experiences pleasure, it'll go, Ooh, I like that. Do more of that. Right. So that is also a survival technique. Thank you, God. He gave us a brain. But the idea here is that our brain won't take us where only our heart was intended to go. Right. Why? Because the brain is designed to keep mm. me where I am only by way of where I've been. Yeah. Not, not where God's asking me to go, not where heaven is right? Not on the water where Jesus is. It's designed to go, don't touch the stove again because it's hot. Don't trust people. They'll let you down. Don't make a mistake. People will reject you. So we create these patterns. Okay. This is where it starts at an early, early age. So my first memory was I was five years old playing Barbies with my dad. I remember it like it was yesterday. I felt so connected to my dad. I loved my dad. I'm playing Barbies. I'm totally in the zone. I felt free. I'm feeling love. Now, all of a sudden, after I couldn't tell you how long, my mom and dad direct me in the other room and they say, hey, we have something we need to tell you. They sit me down. They say, mommy and daddy, it's not you. It's us, but we're going to be getting a divorce. I would tell that story even in my 20s. And it felt like it had no emotional bearings on my soul because I was just a statistic. Like everybody gets divorced, right? Like it's not that big of a deal. My parents had an, I had an incredible upbringing. They did really well together. Like there was no trauma mm -hmm. except for a little girl who was playing Barbies with her dad that in an instant felt like her whole life got sideswiped 
like people were going to make her a fool, that the rug was going to get pulled out from underneath her. And so she made a commitment. You know what that commitment was? Control everything and trust nobody. So she did. She went, oh my gosh, this pain hurts so bad, right? The trauma of that moment that her family gets completely shifted. And that this little girl says to herself completely unconsciously, control everything, trust no one. And it's where I learned to control. Yeah. We as people today say things like, well, I'm just passive aggressive, or, you know, I just am an avoider, or I'm just a perfectionist, or I'm just a controller. No, you're not. You learn to do that. And it worked. Right. It did. Eric, it worked. Right. Like my life got all the A's check, did all the right things. Check. Made sure that, you know, I didn't ruffle feathers. Check. Make sure that I trusted nobody, but, but liked everybody. Check. Did all of those things. And guess what? It worked, but I wasn't free. I wasn't free to the point that at 18 years old, I got to the point that I, I had this, like, I was running so hard from my fears, which is what most of us do. Fear, anger will get us up in the morning. Resentment. I don't want to be like my dad. I'll never be like that person. I don't want my past to look like that anymore. That'll get us up in the morning to do all the things, right? To work out harder, to be more successful, to not, to make sure our lives don't look like our parents' lives. Like, That'll get us up out of bed in the morning, but it's not going to keep us going all day long. It kept me going until I was 18 years old. And I finally, at 18 years old, I broke because I was trying to be perfect to run away from my fears. And at that point in time, I felt like I was such a fraud, right? Which was another limiting belief I had that I'm a, I'm a fraud. I'm not as good as you think I am. And then you're going to reject me just like my dad, just like my memories in the past. And so I fell off the deep end. I moved to LA. I, I found myself in a world that I would have never imagined, right? You, you, the world, drugs, alcohol, the LA, the scene, all of it. Why? Because I had a lie that I was running from and I had believed and my control metrics and my not trusting metrics only could take me so far. And I broke. Yeah. So what, how'd you break? What happened? Um, well, I think there's two two ways to look at breaking. Um, I broke, which means I succumbed to the temptation, right? I, I was running away from the lie for so long that I just started living into the lie, right? Sure. I am a fraud. I'm not as good as you think I am. And so I broke and I gave in, right? Only to realize that actually that was the first time, right? My, I say all the time that you will never heal if you don't break. And it was actually the first time that I could see now, 20 years later, that God's hand was even in that moment, right? Because what he was doing is he was drawing me into an understanding of what is unconditional love actually mm, look like. Right. So, so here I was going, you're not going to love me and I'm going to break and I'm going to be messy and I'm not going to be perfect. Uh, and the whole world's going to reject me. And so I did. And God's still there going, I love you because I love you because I love you. And so that breaking became the foundation for healing that I didn't know I always needed, right? Our greatest place of pain is always our greatest place of purpose, right? Our greatest testing is always our greatest testimony. We have to know those things, but it's linking right. them. That's where it's powerful. Yeah. And it's that experience that's, that's really important, right? So that's interesting. So you were doing that. Was that when, like your early twenties or when was that? When were you in LA? Yeah. Uh, it was like eight, I was 18, 18, 18. to 20. Okay, great. But then you decided to not, you said like, you're going to, what happened? Where, where'd you go from there? Um, I thank God. My husband actually walked into my life. I really think my husband was sent to me by God. Um, he, 
he was a high school sweetheart who we broke up. That was what stimulated. I blame it on him all the time. He broke up with me. I moved to LA and I was like, oh, oh my okay. God. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he circled back around in my life. He loved me at my worst. He saw the goodness of God in me, even when I couldn't see it. He called out the best in me, even when I didn't believe it. Um, and it was ultimately when he asked me to marry him again, that my whole life changed. And, and it was the first time that I could actually see God's goodness in the midst of my mess, in the midst of my mistakes, in the midst of my right disastrous decisions. Um, and that's when we started to rebuild our lives together. Oh, yeah. Was that a moment for you? Like, did it all dawn at you at once or was it like over a period oh, of time? God is so good. You know, Eric, God is so good to me that he is such a gradually, gradually, suddenly with me. He, you know, I think our God is a God of miracles like that. He can do things. But for me, my journey has been a real slow unlearning and relearning mm-hmm. and, and constant invitation for me and a connecting of dots. And so I knew the minute that Travis walked back in my life, I'm like, I have a, I have a knowing about me. Um, mm-hmm. God actually highlights things. He, he, he will actually and I've learned this now, but when he's speaking to me, he will actually create like this, this light around something. And so it was one of those first moments that I saw his light again. Mm. Um, but no, I probably didn't know it. Like I understand it now. Right. Right. Which is okay. I love your point too. That is also often very gradual, right? I think we Mm -hmm. want, when I was a kid, the stories that we always told each other about the testimony, quote unquote, was, uh, my life was terrible. Then my life, then I found Jesus. Now my life is great. Right. Which mm. is awesome. Except for all the other things that happen. Right. It doesn't always <laughs> work that way. What happens, the testimony, I think of God's people in scripture throughout the millennia is that God works gradually. He works mm-hmm. t- time and time again. I mean, imagine I, we could take any story, right? Abraham for how many decades before he actually saw the result of his promise that he that he was going to have kids. Ruth picking up the little bits of stuff, right? In uh, of wheat and whatever in the field that was left for her to pick. I mean, how 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 could she have known? How could she have known that God yeah. was going to provide? Well, Maybe she thought that was God's provision, but she had it slowly and through anyway. This is what God does. I love that and I think we miss it sometimes and we sometimes miss the value of what God is doing if we just think it has to be sudden, right? Well, so listen, so, so I got away from this verse. So then listen, here's why I think what's happening. We, we get this, but the day that we get the prophecy and the day that that manifests are two totally different days. Yeah. Right. The day that God gives us a vision and the day that he gives us a dream and the day that that actually reveals itself to us are two totally different days. And so then when we get in the journey And we start to realize that the pressure, right? And we feel the tension and the obstacles, right? And even the tribulation that comes against us, all of a sudden we start to go, well, where are you, God? And why God? And can I trust you, God? And all those things. And But what I'd like to propose to you is that the in-between is not designed to break you. It's designed to make you. Think about this from a physical fitness, right? If you and I want to be stronger, we got to get in the gym and we got to lift till failure. I have a whole chapter on this in my book. I have to lift till failure. Why? Because I have to actually break down my muscle in order to build it back up, right? I have to lift till failure. I have to lift until I'm really uncomfortable. I have to lift until the burn is so hard on my muscles. Why? Because it's building strength. 
Right. Right. So even if we look on, on further in Hebrews 12, it says, my child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and the training of the Lord or get depressed when he has to correct you for the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. We all think the pressure is bad. It pressure is not bad. We think that the hard that we did something wrong or that God is not good. Also not true. We, he's actually doing it to build within us the strength and the character to do what he's actually called us to do. Why? Because the come to find out the dream, the blessing is a responsibility. And right. anyone who's a parent knows this, right? Yeah. It's that when you get pregnant and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is going to be awesome. And then you hold that baby and you're like, oh my gosh, this is a huge responsibility. Right. They're going to send me home with this kid. <laughs> They're going to send me home with this thing. It's the same thing. You know, God's yeah. like, no, I am that good of a God that number one, I'll turn everything for the, I'll turn all of it good for those who love me, right? Who trust me, who call me by name. But number two, I'm actually letting everything develop your character. So when you get mm -hmm. there and you hold the blessing that you know how to sustain it. Yeah. So let me ask you, how do you lead differently today? than you may have before you walk through some of these things? Oh, in every way. I don't even know how I would unpack that answer. In every way, Eric, I am a testimony that God is good. I'm a testimony that when you stick with it, that, that the glory that shows up in your life because of just your obedience to say yes, I'm a testimony to all of those. Like, I don't want to say trite things, but I'm a testimony to, to yeah. his word. My life looks incredibly different. And it's not because it's perfect, but because it's just an obedient, right? It says that obedience brings blessing. So, so I am way more bold than I was ever before. I love with my whole heart. I feel joy in a way that I used to never feel joy. I'm sober. It's two years now that my husband, and I have never had alcohol That's and great. not because I was an alcoholic, but because it's where I would hide. Um, we truly have impacted thousands and thousands of lives with a message that at one point when he gave me this book to write, it had F-bombs in it. I was still drinking wine. I love Jesus, but like this was not going to go for the church. And every day, Eric, I want you to hear me every day. I was just talking to a friend. I get up to do a video or to post something on social media and it is the cross I have to bear, but it, it does not come easy to me. Like this, it's yeah. not easy to, it, it is actually the weight of the blessing of what he's called me to do is not easy. Yeah. And so, so I stand before you today as a byproduct of just someone who's willing, crazy, bold enough, simply to say, God, I will get out of the boat and I will put my eyes on you and I will walk in your unconditional love. Right. And so I have yeah. for the last five years chased after the freedom of heaven, right? Because I believe that our level of dreaming is dependent upon our level of freedom. And so everything that I've been doing these last five years is going, if this doesn't look like freedom or sound like freedom or smell like freedom, I can't do it. It's why I got sober, right? It's why I'm mindful of what I eat. It's why we moved to Bentonville, Arkansas. It's why I wrote the book. It's why I have five kids and homeschool and have figured out how to still be a passionate, connected wife. Why is, is because I feel like I'm responsible to do that. It's, it's my greatest commission. It's this greatest commandment is to live love and to be loved and to give love. And then the greatest commission is to make the sight of heaven look more like it. Okay. I love that. I love that. I asked that question because one of my great passions is 
spiritual maturity, right? Like I want to know how we grow into, into that um, because that's what we're called to. That's what Paul's always writing about. That's what, you know, the, the, I think you're right. Hebrews is all about mindset. Like let us, this is what happened, but this is what's happening now. And let's focus on that. Um, but I also didn't, don't see an awful lot of it in the church. I don't see a lot of people taking that very seriously. Um, otherwise we wouldn't have people who are not ready, right. Who haven't suffered in the pulpit, in the, in the thing, or in places where they don't, they're not characters, not ready for, like we, we look for the wrong things mm -hmm. in order to qualify people for, for that right now. Nobody's ever going to be perfect. I'm not saying that, but I think if we, if we're careful about cultivating these things, we, we could do a lot better. And I think spiritual maturity well, is what we're talking about. I think you're a hundred percent right. Because God's not going to break you on behalf of the ministry and all of us go, well, I'm <laughs> right. not in ministry. Yeah, you, yeah, you are. You, all of us are right now. We are children of God, making truly making this world look more like heaven, right? Inviting people to know Jesus by the way that we live our lives, but he won't break you on behalf of that ministry. He loves you too much to do that. And so when we start to understand his heart and his character, around how he views us and how he views the scope of eternity, not just right. You're in my five minutes or this one chapter in my life or me in my twenties or my thirties, right? He's got a whole bigger scope. And so what I call these moments and how I continue to develop my spiritual maturity is um, every moment, all of them is an opportunity asking me, what do I believe? And I talk about there's two lanes of beliefs, right? There's either my limiting belief or there's my limitless vision. My limiting beliefs are all connected to the lie, the enemy, all the things that he's going to tell me that I'm not, that God's not, that we won't, can't, shouldn't, all of those things, right? Then there's ones that are connected to heaven. They, they're connected with what God's doing, his word, truth, and the dreams he has for my life, right? Which are different than Eric's and my husband's and right? We all have those. Every moment, therefore, is then asking me, what do you believe, Julia? So uh, someone looks at me the wrong way. Someone cuts me off in traffic. Someone responds in an email and says, no, we, you know, we're not going to hire you. My kids don't do the, what I think that they're going to do. The economy doesn't do. I did. Whoever's president wasn't the person I voted for. You name it. <laughs> right. Every moment is saying, Julia, what do you believe? Do you believe the lie or do you believe the truth? <laughs> yep. It's a freedom moment, right? Freedom is just a choice. Absolutely. Just a choice. Okay. You reminded me of this. When I first left my job to start this business, I, I driving home that day, I remember having this thought pulling into my neighborhood. I said, you know what? As long as there's not like uh, you know, a global recession or a global pandemic or something, you know, I'm going to be fine. This is 2018. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Little did I know. So I don't believe in manifestation, but maybe this might be all my fault. So it was your fault. It was your fault. <laughs> But that's an example, I think, of a of a mindset, right? And a belief that some things are outside of my control. And, you know, then how are you going to res respond to those? How are you going to respond? Funny enough, I did actually end up starting my actual business, what I do now, in the middle of the pandemic. So it worked out. Yes. Those are the best. I know. Those are the ones that are going to last the longest. I hope so. I, I like that. Well, okay. So for our friends here, because um, I, I could really jam on mindset for a long time. I think it's so powerful, but what, maybe give us like one or two things, like common mindsets that you think people struggle with. And then maybe the opposite, like a couple that you think we can replace them with. Yeah. 
So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give you those examples, but what I think is profound about the work that God is doing in and through, you know, this message is that we all are saying a lot of the same lies. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. Um, you know, it'll be better when, um, it's, it's generally around our identity or the identity we have of God. Those are, are very normal. There's not enough. He's not enough. I can't trust him. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. It's always coming back to, to self-worth and trusting God. Now, the interesting thing about an understanding, not just a heightened limiting belief or negative thoughts, but is the one that the enemy is actually after to get us out of business. Knowing your own individual limiting belief is what takes you to the next level, right? Just as I would say, I could give you any scripture, right? Any scripture to replace it with. And this was my experience. And it doesn't mean that the scripture doesn't work, right? So above all, constantly chase up to the, the God's kingdom. You are a child of God. You are more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I said those all day long and I did, They, I, it wasn't happening. Yep. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. And I've been that, there. as a believer, that's the scariest moment that most of us will never admit because we can be in church quoting scripture with our hands held high, petrified because we're going, I, I don't know that I believe this. That's the enemy using lies to disempower the truth. And so what we have to do is go beyond it to go, I can't just know a, uh, a bigger picture lie and just say some nice scripture just to, no, I actually have to confront the lie the enemy is trying to get me with. And I then have to take it before God and go, God, what do you say about me in my life? When we do that, now we're playing at a totally different game. Scripture comes alive again. The ideas go from head to heart. The mindset gets back into alignment with what heaven is doing. And we can take territory again. Why? Because it's come alive to me. It's fresh revelation. Yeah, because you're you're embracing it, believing it, and stepping in. I love that. Okay, Julia, I love uh, this stuff. Again, I, I could jam about mindset all day. I think it is probably the most important thing that uh, not enough people in the church are talking about. So thank you for bringing it up. I love it. The book, again, is called Dream, I Dare You. You can get it at Amazon. I'll get the links at halfwaythereapodcast.com. Your website is juliagentry.com, right? The so, Julia Gentry. Oh, The Julia Gentry. I'm glad that's why I asked. That's good. So uh, com. also linked to halfwaythereapodcast.com so you can get that. If you're doing dishes right now, you can go find it for sure. Julia, is there anything you want to leave us with? I just think if anyone really does want to master their mind, right, to your point, like, I don't think the church is doing this enough. I believe in mindset, heart set, then skill set. So if you want more information on how to do that and the framework that we use, you can learn more by going to dreamstormwithjulia.com. It is our growth coaching program that actually gives believers the tools to bridge the gap. Perfect. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. 